Bachi Fochi. Hey, everybody. You're, this is when you respond. You say, hi. <laughs> 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 like, hi, back. No, I mean, I'm just, you know, admiring the beauty. Yeah, we're being sitting here outside. Uh, outdoors. It's a nice sunny day. Uh, next to us, we have joining a uh, a friend, a brother who's been exploding with a lot of new work this year, uh, Beiru. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for joining, man. I've been, uh, I always, when we started the podcast, you know, there's a few people that like you have in mind that you want to like jump to, get on the mic, like have a conversation with. Right. You've been in the back of our minds. So thank you, man. Once we found out about the new album dropping, I'm like, all right, this is, this is a nice yeah, opportunity yeah. to. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since the last time we recorded the, uh, Armenian community diaspora everyone's been kind of in like turmoil I, I was hoping for like a better uh, outlook at this point you know but uh, yeah. the situation everyone's in plus you know what's what's happening in the homeland like how's your how's your mental state <laughs> it's tough man we're all really going through it it's it's a really tragic and sad thing that happened you know it's it's difficult to deal with I'm, I'm doing my best to not get too much into the darkness as I'm sure everyone is um, it's difficult because there's this thing of like you don't want to disconnect yourself from the news and feel like you're not taking on the responsibility that you should but at the same time you don't want to like expose yourself too much and just fuck up your whole mood and you know what I mean so it's it's kind of a difficult balance man but you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to do my best with it, and you know, it's it's also strange that I the album I put out just happened to be around this time. You know, it was planned months ago, of course, so it it was kind of not something I couldn't change. Um, so it's you know, it's it's kind of weird to be promoting something when all this is going on. I mean, this has been a thing all year. That the Armenian the thing in Armenia was just like like the climax, I guess, after COVID and all the protests and everything. Um, but on the bright side, I have had a lot of people reach out to me and say, like, you know, we're glad that there was some sort of, you know, music, something that kind of like provides an escape for us at this time. So in that sense, you know, I'm I'm grateful for that, you know. But, yes, yeah, it's just tough, man. One day at a time, you know. It's, it's difficult because you have so much information, whether it's good, bad, neutral to begin with. Yeah. And then you just feel like you don't know what to get mad at what to get sad at what to fight what to argue it's just it's too much so you're paralyzed in this this last week i kind of took a step back to allow everything to sit a second before reacting and i just put on old armenian music and so often you find the people who created before you were also creating in such turmoil and such uh, sadness and in this strive to kind of, like you said, find some positivity and not fully give in to like, you know, going right. completely dark. We have a kind of a soft spot to anything related to Armenia because of a tragic history, but that's counterbalanced with this beautiful history that has created uh so much too and in that creation the artists musicians poets um painters dancers composers they were they all faced some you know travesty in their timeline as well 
Right. So it's a it's a it's a way I think like this last week I really connected. I'm like, you know, I I I put on like a, a Armenian albums I grew up with, and there's this sadness, and it was almost comforting to know like, hey, like you're not alone going through this, and people persevered and created and still made their mark on the world too. Yeah, I have to say though, man, I, it's the opposite for me. I can't like I haven't been able to listen to any Armenian music. Like it's, it's unfortunately like just with everything going on, it just brings up so much emotion. You know, it's, uh, it's it's sad, but I just can't like I've been trying to stay away from it just for that reason. You know, just I guess just until I'm in a better mental place and. I guess once things start to settle down and there's some sort of positive outcome, I don't know, man, it's it's tough. We That's another thing is we don't really know when, how long it's going to take for things to get better, if they will get better, you know. Um, it's tough. And, you know, there's also this, like, feeling of hopelessness, uh, not hopeless, helplessness. Yeah. You know, you don't really know what to do. Like, we donate money, you try to spread the word, social media, things like that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, dude, these things are happening on the other side of the world, like, you know you can't really do anything man it's it's it kind of just adds on top of like the sadness you know it's it's weird man it's weird not to start everything off with a bummer but yeah it's like <laughs> it's you know it's, well, it's, it's a weird time yeah. well i feel there's a lot of impotence right like you cannot yeah do as much as you want to or, or you don't know what you what you can do right yeah to, to, yeah to make a difference the terrible thing it makes you everyone it, it makes everyone question everything i feel like it's a family affair being exposed on a global platform that should be dealt with internally more or less and the things you wanted to get exposed globally didn't you know the peaceful protests or the people advocating for you know attention being given to human rights violations and war crimes and all this like you know that was just People turn the blind eye. Well, it's like they say bad news travels fast, right? Yeah. That's that's the I think the sad thing is is like in a world where you're trying to prevail with some moral high ground, doing the kind and the good thing, like that's not the game everyone is playing. It's uh it's tragic. Yeah, yeah, it really is, man. It's it's a tough time. No one saw this coming, no one knows how to react, you know. We're all just kind of in this weird state of like it's weird, man. It's like this weird zombie type of state, you know, but, you know, I, I do think it's important for people to really try to take care of themselves. And this is something I tried to address on social media a, a few weeks ago. I, it, it is really important because we, we do there. There's definitely the sense of guilt that you get from someone in the diaspora um, for, for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is you're not there. Right. And also it's like you you kind of feel this disconnect you know, so you try your best to, to stay up on things and, and take in all the news and spread, you know, spread word and everything. But it, it takes its toll on you, man, especially for, you know, if you're like a sensitive person, or you're a creative person, like it can really affect you really poorly. And then if it becomes something to where you're just getting depressed every day, taking in all this stuff, then you're just not going to be able to help anyone if you're not in a good place, you know. So I think self-care is important. It's not I don't think it's a selfish thing. It's something that you need to do to cultivate within yourself to be able to help anyone 
You know, it's like how, you know, when they say when you're on an airplane, right, if there's an accident, you put on the air mask first and then you help other people. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of in that, you know, I think that's important, man. I think I think a lot of us need to, to tend to ourselves. You know? And I think the idea that everyone has their unique way of contributing. Right. Not a stay in your lane message, but know that you and your way, if you're active, are contributing to the cause, even if it's educating a non-Armenian or just uh, sharing this information and bringing light to it. Yeah. Um, and not kind of targeting others to do anything differently. I think, you know... You mean like as far as pressuring other people to... Yeah, my thing is like you lead by example. Right, right, right. I, I always look at it as a behavioral way. If you want to teach someone an appropriate behavior, you, you model that, Right. If you're judging or, you know, pointing the finger at all these people like you should do this or you should have done that like that, you know, you're just going to go around in, uh, in circles. I agree. I agree. But the notion to, you know, that you're bringing up that self-care is is so crucial and everyone is unique in how they like, you know, you're saying you couldn't you couldn't dive into Armenian music. I completely did the opposite to feel what I needed to feel right, right. and then you know find the connection with that to insp- like it's it's hard too man like I've been you know my studio is downstairs I've been like looking at the stairs and like go downstairs like go downstairs and paint and it's like that push becomes difficult like you want to catapult yourself into this drive to start creating again it's tough and all these other artists and individuals had it tough too and they sat you know and 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 created you know but everyone needs to do their own thing if you're a lawyer if you're a journalist you know you create videos whatever it is if you find your means to make sure you're healthy you're safe your mental state physical state all that is good and get out there and contribute and do what you need to do right right yeah the creative thing you know it's, it's different for everyone but there's there's definitely something to be said about you know drawing from you know the sadness or whatever the the emotions you're feeling and kind of using that as like fuel and filtering that through your creative 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 process whatever it may be um but it is difficult man like for instance like when when lockdown first happened i wasn't making anything for maybe a month i just i just didn't feel inspired and then for like a few months midst like around summertime I was just working like crazy. I, I made like a few hundred new like demos, you know. But this last month, again, it's it's kind of been like downtime, you know. I've been working on other things, you know, kind of finishing up other projects, but I haven't been creating anything new. And it's, you know, it's tough, man, because on one hand, it's like usually when things like this happen to me, I try to kind of push myself into it. And that becomes like, a th- you know, you, you try to make it a habit and after a while it becomes, you know, a routine and I get back into the groove. But with the current situation, it's, it's so different and weird that I think it is important to just kind of take your time and, you know, make sure you're in the right place and not push yourself. You know, it's it is important to deal with with certain things. You know, I mean, some artists are able to do that through their work. But I don't think there's anything at all wrong with just taking time and just taking a break and just kind of resetting you know i mean i i think taking that time is also part of the creative process definitely you know? definitely yeah i mean it's not unproductive at all yeah I mean, yeah in a way it can be actually lead to more productivity or more creativity down i agree you know when the moment you sit down you know create music write paint whatever 
your uh, your art form is. Yeah, no, I agree. That's absolutely true. Everything is inspiration, essentially. So even if you're just, yeah. you know, meditating all day, you'll get something out of that that eventually exactly. will go into your art. Yeah. You know, I think it's like w- waiting to like ride the waves that come. You know, and like right. you're saying, that wave came and like you created so many samples and you know that's something that you're gonna build on in in, in the future as well but in the last year you you came out with two albums yeah you know so there is (laughs) there's a lot of yeah uh, productivity well well the first one was finished it like came out just before lockdown so it was finished prior um but the the album custom made life that i put out a a few weeks ago that one's been kind of like a couple years in the making um so yeah i was i was able to finish that up this year but it was prior to all this stuff for the most part you know there was kind of some tweaks and things that i had to finish up but for the most part it was done although there are like a bunch of really cool projects that i've been doing during this that will probably come out like early next year mid next year you know that were made in the thick of all this shit happening so you were saying that you've, you've been creating so many samples do you think now that you can't tour that you can't perform live that you have that in mind for the you know the person who picks up your you know your music and listens to it are you keeping the 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 medium in mind at all or are you kind of changing the way that you're um you're kind of visualizing your music i don't know that's a good that's a good question because it's it's still very kind of in the air as far as music like i see different types of you know, performance, like for instance, with comedy, yeah. there's a lot of like these um, drive-in shows that people are doing. And I saw there was one, like uh, I think a few weeks ago where it was Thundercat, it, they did like a drive-in thing. Um, and I think that was the first one I'd heard of. I don't, I don't know how that was perceived as far as the audience. I'm sure the music was great, but it's such a, it, music is, is, is different. It's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to gauge. So, I don't really know, to be honest. I, I can't really, I can't really, you know, have a certain medium in mind right now because, you know, right now it's just digital concerts, which are, you know, they're cool, but it's not really, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the same experience. It's not, detached, uh, you know. Yeah, and, the, and that's for the artist and for the crowd, yeah. you know. So I don't know. I, I, I can't but really. Do you think that would change? For example, I think about the medium of film, right before the the only way you could go see a movie was to go to the theater and right. i think when platforms you know came out like netflix right. uh, hulu and all of them there's a lot of people i mean I think there's some people who actually you know who say no a film needs to be seen on the big screen right and but you see this big you know this big push of people who i'm mean, especially right now who don't uh, who can't go to the movie theaters because they're closed right and or it's a it's a cheaper way to to um to see a film you know from home yeah and i think the the f- the medium has adapted itself to this kind of different platform right um and i'm not sure if it, there's we can make a parallel uh to music because i mean we've always had a cd we also had like vinyls we had cassettes right. um now we have mp3s we have these uh streaming services i'm not sure if that changes the way that that music is made in or maybe unconsciously or i'm not sure um, i don't know I, I don't think at least speaking for myself i don't think it would change the way it's made um it might change the way it's experienced 
like i know when when the lockdown first happened i was hearing like streaming numbers were pretty low for a while and apparently it was because there were less people driving and less people working out in gyms and you know those happened to be the two you know biggest places where people listen to music apparently um so you know that kind of made sense and and that kind of changed after a while but yeah it's you know you never know but i don't think i don't think it would change the creative process personally um but the performance aspect of it yes i and that's a tough one i, I don't know where where that's going to end up like you have a lot of people talking about you know um making ar and vr big components and driving these experiences of you know film or concerts and all that but i i feel like it's the same thing with 3d like they tried to make 3d happen and it never really took off you know and with the exception of like you know some theme parks of having these experiences but like you can't replace the you're, you're never going to have a music festival replaced by a vr or ar experience yeah you know? definitely it's and it's it's not the same there's going to be another music festival it could, yeah. be, it could literally be years yeah I, like i've been at thinking least about a few the, years can I you think. imagine like the hordes of people you know at the i always think about like the end of the music festival when you're like intoxicated you're <laughs> you want to go home and you just huddled in a group of like a hundred thousand people like walking through the dirt on your like back to the car that was the worst part of the music festival and like we're gonna miss that experience of being surrounded and like not having to care like at that point like you're wearing a mask just not not have dirt go up your nose you know like now it's gonna yeah no the the energy is is definitely something because even if they figure out some way to have social distance seating or something to where there's people there the performers are there it's the same music, same, you know, whatever, same venues. Having that distance from people will take a lot away from the experience because a lot of that is just that energy of being around people. You Proximity, know? yeah. It's like this collective thing after a while. And, the you know, the performer feels that, too, and they feed off of it. So, Or it's, it's like you can't yell, you can't scream. Right, and that's like part right, of the experience, right. too. It'll you know, change like the cheering. energy, it'll change everything. You yeah, know, so <laughs> don't sing along. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of those silent discos. You know, remember when like they put the headphones they put on. Put the headphones yeah. on. I'm not that sure. Was that, thing? I don't know. that was the thing. Yeah, it was like people like just a flash mob thing where like everyone's wearing uh, like headphones and listening to the same track and like huh. dancing in silence. Interesting. Yeah. Again, yeah. like a 3D thing. Like these <laughs> things are not gonna <laughs> like right. take off. To piggyback off what Esteban was saying, did you contemplate releasing uh, custom made life now? Like, were you sitting on it, or you know, knowing that? hey, I want to tour with this album, you know, I want to, you know, play it live. Or is it like, hey, I have this work, you know, people need music now, let me release it. Yeah, that's that's that was definitely something that was on my mind. And I spoke to my management about it pretty, like, in depth because, you know, the, the main thing was, like, the album's ready, I've been working on it for a while, and we don't know when things are going to change. So I, I keep waiting, something else happens. You know, keep waiting, something else happens. You know, so then there's the elections, then there's the thing with the army, you know, so I, I just felt like, you know, in spite of everything happening, it just, it has to happen now, you know, it just has to come out. That was kind of just the way, you know, like, you know, for example, if I held on to it and put it, put it out next year, I might have been over it to a certain degree by then. You know, yeah. and you just have to, you know, you just have to release, I think it's important for an artist to put things out because it's kind of this way to reset and and help you gather you know whatever creativity creativity or, or thoughts 
to focus on the next project, you know, and I, like it's almost kind of unhealthy to keep it in. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's as much as it was difficult and there was all this uncertainty, I, you know, it just it just had to come out this year, you know. Following your music since you released uh, Little Armenia. Which is about to be 10 years old. Isn't that's crazy? unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy. To jump now to Custom Made Life, it's, I think it's the most different album from, from, from the rest because up till now I feel like there was like certain themes going along with, you know, the album like Little Armenia, then, uh, you know, Saturday Night at the Magic Lamp, then L.A. Zoo then pomegranate juice and now you know custom made life it's it feels like a full album yeah it has a different feel to it this collaboration with all these guests like how is that experience now it's predating the lockdown but how is it taking on that role of now having a more of a collaborative process rather than like you're on your own and you're in complete control and you're doing what you want to do and don't have as much of a reliance on anyone else to finish well, your track. I think the the foundation of the album was all done essentially by myself. So like more than half of the songs I wrote and sang and I played instruments throughout all of them. There wasn't much sample use in this one. It was it was mo mostly just live stuff. And that kind of, you know, laid the foundation for the album. So at that point working with other artists kind of became a way to like like figure out what can complement what's here right like you know like if i were to compare it to painting if you have a certain image or certain colors like what colors or what else can complement this to you know kind of bring make it another thing you know so it was kind of more that um so it i think it, it's definitely different in the sense of you know i mean it's the first album that has vocals and it just so happens that every song has vocals as opposed to all the previous albums being instrumental. Um, but it's it wasn't too different. I mean, musically, it was more or less, you know, every, every album is different, right, musically. But um, I feel like it was still like a branch off of the same tree. But it was just, you know, the vocals thing definitely kind of took it to another place. Um, but also conceptually, I think it's still like the whole idea of custom-made life was like, just kind of creating your own reality in a sense, you know? So um, that was just something, that was like the idea that I had that started it with. And I think other people came in and just kind of helped take it to, you know, a different place. Um, but it was still very much so grounded in that concept. You know what I mean? So when you're, when you're creating a track and is it, do you have the idea, let's say specifically for this album, do you have the idea that you're, you're going to add another component in terms of having a, featured guest on it or is that something that comes like later like are you starting off with this point like i'm gonna create you know this melody from scratch and you know add my vocals to it and then hey i have this little lip or this part that i need someone like some an extra component to be added on top of it um it was kind of both like going in there were some artists that i had in mind that i felt like that i've always wanted to work with and i felt like would be complimentary to the music but also as it kind of progressed there were some songs where i was like oh you know this could kind of work with this person so I, you know i when the album was almost done for instance i um got in touch with this vocalist peyton who's really incredible uh from texas and we did one of the songs daydreaming which was the last song we finished and the album at that point was like 90 percent done 
but it was just like it was missing like a puzzle piece you know and i felt like that was like a nice way to kind of round it out so it was just you know throughout the whole album it was kind of a process some of it was premeditated but i i would say most of it was kind of just on the fly as far as what can i add to this like what spices would make this a little more interesting you know what i mean i hate uh labeling uh my work i don't know how you feel about labeling your work but I'm there's just this not i'm just really bad at it I yeah can never pin it down to yeah. a certain genre it's tough i mean it's like this <laughs> chill groovy psych jazzy hip-hop like yeah, i don't, I don't know <laughs> you know it's like that's like 50 different things but it's a gumbo yeah, yeah but you you have a specific style right but your voice compliments that style like so well it's like this like chill like you know like it it worked Thank like you. i was like oh shit like this um, is well musically like you know i've always been kind of all over the place to a certain degree like there's definitely certain genres that i haven't dabbled in but i did want to try to incorporate all the different things that i like into this so there are some songs that are more on the jazz side there's you know there's a couple songs that are more up-tempo kind of housey then there is some kind of down-tempo, like melodic, psychedelic stuff. Um, so my idea was not to really pick one sound and have that be the, you know, direction of the album, but rather to just, you know, just kind of like how the title says, custom-made life, right? It's like I wanted to pick from all these different things that I love, and it had nothing to do with like, oh, I want to incorporate these different things so I can get different audiences. That was like the last thing on my mind. It was, it was just me trying to be like how can i you know how can i blend all these different sounds that i like and make it sound cohesive so that that was my whole thing going in you know we have a very similar background parents from lebanon being armenian and uh having certain artists albums always playing you know at home in the background i look at it the same way where I kind of take fragments of imagery that's used in Armenia or like that I've been exposed to my entire life. Take tapestry, for example. And like I like breaking it apart and using my own means to build the puzzle back together. And it seems that you've done this with your style of music, which is very inspiring because, you know, it, it takes... It takes something that you've been exposed to. You're like regurgitating this information that you've had all this time that other people have had uh, exposure to as well. A lot of 60s, 70s Middle Eastern songs and Armenian melodies and putting a different touch to it is it's something new but familiar at the same time. Right. You know? Well, I think we're all, you know, essentially anything that you've been exposed to becomes a part of what you create. You know, it's... Vahe um, Berberian had this really great way of phrasing it, which I'll, I'll probably butcher, but to paraphrase it was something to the effect of, like, drinking different things, and then it kind of, like, you would... Vomit, vomit it, yeah. You know, in the sense, <laughs> and it just kind of comes yeah. out, and it's everything that went in kind of comes out. Um, in a so more uh, aesthetic way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in a more pleasant way. Yeah, Less smelly, too. Yeah. Less smelly, yeah. So it's, you know, anything... And as far as music, anything, experiences, all these things kind of just, you know, you'd like it or not, it's, in, it's some th somewhere in your subconscious and it, it will come out to a certain degree within your creativity. And also there are certain things that 
you like or dislike about those things, right? So you'll kind of take what you like and maybe ex try to expand on that. And if you're like, oh, well, I didn't like this about that, then, you know, you won't do that. And then, you, you, you know, you think like, oh, I like this, but maybe I can try that on top of this, you know? So it's it just kind of becomes like the ingredients that you just kind of, you know, build on. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways to make like a pizza, let's say, right? I'm sorry, there's, well, there's, there's one, there's a certain way to do it, but there's a lot of different components to doing it, right? The type of dough you use, the spices, how long you cook it, the kind of, you know, so it's, it's every, every person has their own unique way of doing that, you know, so. Let's say if I give you free reign to geek out, like what are you, what are you using? What software are you using? Um, so I use Logic. Logic is, is what I mainly arrange and tweak and EQ and mix and do all that stuff on. Um, I also use Machine. That's more to kind of program drums and things like that because I like the feel of Is the Is that pads. that little grid thing that you're tapping yeah. away? Like I yeah, <laughs> always yeah. fascinating to. It's to because watch you know it's it's the it's the closest you can get to kind of a live feel with drums, right? Because it's the same as like playing like a conga or something. Because when you're doing if you're programming drums on a program like Logic, for instance, and you're just doing it with a mouse, it becomes kind of this mechanical thing. You know, so I like to do it on the pads where it gives it like this live feel and I try to do my best to kind of make it sound like a live drummer. Um, so I, I really like those pads. And as far as instruments, I use a lot of soft synths, which are like essentially MIDI instruments. But I do I do really like I have a Casio CZ 101 keyboard, which has these really cool. I think it's from the 80s, I believe, has these really nice sounds. And I try to add filters and things. Um, I play a little bit of good guitar. I don't really have a great guitar, but you know, it's it's something I do more by ear. Um, that's more or less it, to be honest. Yeah, I like to keep it minimal, man. I've went through phases where I had a bunch of different equipment, and after a while, it becomes this kind of daunting thing because there's so much shit. It's hard to figure out what am I going to use, you know. So, for me personally, I'm I'm a little OCD as well. So, it's it's better for my workflow to just have, like to trim the fat you know what i mean like i just need this i just need that and i can you know do what i want with it so i think i've got it down to a pretty tight setup at this point and how about the vocals like the the writing process in that um, i mean with this new album yeah that's a good question so that's that was this is my first time doing vocals and this this all started because there was a vocalist that i was that i was planning on working with and i had these ideas and like I'd, I'd written something and I recorded like a reference track, right? So it was my vocals uh, just to kind of give her an idea of the cadences and everything like that. Um, and it just kind of became this thing where I was like, yo, this sounds kind of cool and this is fun <laughs> to do. So I just kept doing it. And I have a few friends who are like my counsel as far as like people who are musically inclined, have different tastes, and most importantly are honest. So their, their encouragement meant a lot to me because it's like, you know, you have certain people that'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Keep going just because they want to support you. And that's cool. But I, I really value honesty. And so they would tell me, like, you know, this one is this one is great. This one, you know, maybe, you know, work on this or that. So that helped me a lot. Um, but that's kind of how it started. And my process throughout this album has been letting the music dictate the vocals in the sense that I would just listen and think of like, how can, like what kind of melody vocally would complement what's there? And what kind of words would complement what's there? So I know a lot of people 
maybe might write lyrics first and try to fit that onto the music. But for me, it was definitely the music that kind of dictated it um, and drove the vocals. So that's that was my process for that. So what did that look like? Did you, for example, did you did you have your notebook? You were typing, or did you have a notepad and a, and a pen? As you were listening to the tracks? I actually just did it all on Logic because there's like a note section. Oh, and I had, I'd pull out my laptop. I'd come sit outside sometimes and just have the music playing, you know, just write little phrases and things that would work. Voice memos on my phone. That's that's also huge. I just come up with ideas when I'm like, you know, going on a walk or something. So just little bits and pieces, you know, and some, some songs will come together pretty quickly. Some would take a little longer depending on, you know, some would have like more complicated chord changes and melodies that are a little trickier to write around um, but that that was more or less it i just did all of it digitally it's like the the idea of limiting the tools at your disposal uh is a is a thing i love because it kind of forces you to also master those things like the the keyboard you're using or you know the right the, the uh, drum machine that you're using It's like when you go to a restaurant and there's like 30 pages of a menu. There's like, like what's, what's your specialty, yeah, what's, what's your specialty pictures, you know? Right. Versus a place where you have, okay, I have three things, but it's the fucking best three things like that I know how to make, you yeah. know? So it's like kind of uh, channeling uh, the effort into uh, limited bite-sized samples. Right. It's been 10 years since your first album. Did you ever think yeah. that you were going to do vocals in this one? And like, how is that kind of a uh, reckoning and, and that experience of, of doing something so uh, unlike your uh, previous work yeah I, n I never thought I would I never thought I would I always wanted to I never thought I was good enough and so I never really dude it works it. so well it's so fun like yeah, it works yeah it does when I first found out that you were singing on like i had to go back and i'm like really like that's it works so complementary with with the style that you've thank already you, established thank you yeah it was um i think just coming from a music background i've always kind of liked the sort of anonymity that comes with just being a producer so it it singing was something i never really worked on um and of course i did i did feel like you know i guess you know all artists to a certain degree have certain things they're self-conscious about so that was something that I, i i was very sort of scared to even attempt because you know it's very you're very vulnerable when you're doing that music is different mm -hmm. right because it's, it's coming out of instruments but when it's your actual voice and your words you're kind of really exposing yourself so it was something that i never i never really envisioned myself doing but it just it just kind of happened organically so i think that's that's the best way to for these things to happen um but yeah i, I didn't see it coming though. did you do like any vocal lessons at all or did you just kind of went with no. it no yeah i was i mean i was in a chorus when i was in like elementary but aside <laughs> from that no no when i was speaking to you in elementary i think all of us I mean, three of us here we were uh we grew up in the valley yeah, yeah. you know so that's something uh that i wanted to ask you like Do you, do you still feel oh, I'm that? Sorry to cut you off. I just remembered, no. though. One thing that, that I did that did kind of help work on the singing was, like, shortly after I put out Little Armenia, I got really heavily into the Beatles. And up until that point, I wasn't into their stuff. I was more into, like, you know, more obscure artists and things. So I, I like, had their records. I never really listened to them much. But I got, like, obsessively into their stuff over the course of a few years. And I would just... And at that point, I was working, I had a job where I'd work with uh, special needs kids, and I was just driving a lot. And in my car, I was just listening to their songs, and over and over, and I'd just learn them, and I'd just start singing them after a while. And I think that somehow helped 
give a sense of like you know formula and also you know my vocal abilities like what what i'm good at what i'm not good at you know so that helped a lot so sorry to cut you no, off no, but no, yeah, no, i, no, I no, just remembered that no i mean i was i, I think that uh, uh that you mentioned you were driving when you were working for uh, uh, what'd you say if it was it was with special needs special kids. Needs I, kids I just yeah. go and, and work for so I was gonna, yeah i that. was gonna ask because in, in preparation for this you know this, this chat I, I i read an interview that you gave uh, uh, a couple of years back and you were talking about you know, growing up in the valley, yeah, uh, and how you studied at Cal State uh, Northridge, yeah, and you studied psych, and and, and right. to a point, you decided that in order to make it in music, you had to give it your like full attention, yeah. And yeah. it's been ten years, and like, how do you, how would you describe that journey, that of first like immersing yourself completely, maybe uh, having some precarity in in your living situation because right. you're, you're you know you're you want to give it your all. It was it was difficult. And the first few years after putting out Little Armenia, I was still working jobs. You know, it was it wasn't an easy thing, especially coming from a family. Um, I think a lot of families that come from immigrants, immigrant backgrounds, we have this sort of like, you know, idea of anything creative being very frowned upon for the most part at least when it comes to, or especially when it comes to making a living. So it was very difficult. That was definitely my background. I didn't have any musicians in my family. So as much as they encouraged me, it was also like, yeah, but, you know, take care of, you know, take care of your shit first, which is why, you know, it was important for my parents for me to get a degree. Um, but yeah, it was scary. At one point I, I had just, I went on my first tour. I played a couple cities in the Middle East and I came back and I was like, you know what? If if I'm really gonna do this, I have to go like jump in with both feet. How old were you? Like 21? No, I was in my mid. I was like 23, 24, okay. I think, at that time. No, actually, I was. I think I was in my late 20s. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was it was a very frightening thing. And the first couple of years of doing it was it was rough. Like it was hard as far as you know making rent and that kind of thing. Um, but you know. As much as you, you just you try to put things out into the world and, and sometimes things come back to you. There's a bit of luck involved too. Like I was able to score some music for this film, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yeah, uh, like yeah it's a great one of those great track. most yeah, amazing films. Thank, yeah. Thank you. That was yeah, that was like through a friend who knew the director and put me in touch with her. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Yeah, for those yeah it was yeah. really, really dope movie. Yeah, I was really I was excited when I heard that you were, you know, contributed music. Yeah, like, yeah. Tracks was, to that I was, I was honored to be a part of it. It went to Sundance. It won a bunch of awards. Like it, it did really well. So that, that opened a lot of doors for me, as far as. And I believe it was shot in the Valley, right? No, it, it was shot in this place called Taft, California. So oh, really? Yeah. It's like a few hours away. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was very industrial area okay. that they just kind of yeah they shot it out there. Um, but that, that helped me kind of get in with some music supervisors and helped me get some more work as far as films and television and advertising and licensing and that sort of thing. So that, that's, that, that type of thing has helped a lot as far as supplementing the music. Um, like even now when, you know, when you're not touring and, you know, you're not really active in that sense, it's, it's hard. A lot of musicians are, are having a lot of difficult times now. It's, it's not easy. Um, but fortunately, like through those types of avenues, there's there's things like, you know, royalties and things that help out. So I'm, I'm very lucky to be in that place. Because it, it reminds me of, a, uh, I'm not sure if you know, the writer Haruki Murakami's uh, Japanese novelist. And he owned a jazz bar for 
10, like 10 or so, seven, seven or 10 years. And he uh-huh. started writing a novel. And like one day he decided to write a novel, right? He was watching a baseball game and he, he had never written anything before. He wrote a novel. He sent it in, won an award. But, you know, he can still like make uh, a living off his writing. Right. He published a second book and in his, his business started to grow, like the, the jazz uh, bar in Tokyo. But then he decided to sell, sell it and just give it a, his all to writing. And everyone around him told him, "Hey, you can't, like, what are you doing? Like, you're crazy. Right. Like, you're not. You're never gonna make it." But taking that step actually allowed him to really give himself a hundred percent to his craft and make him the writer that he is today. You know, he's like he's 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 read by by millions of people. You know, like right. uh, uh, films are made uh, based on his on his books. You know, and and I think I find that very inspiring to actually believe in in what you want to do despite the precarity, despite the fear that yeah. that conveys. Well, I think, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't flat out tell anyone who's aspiring to be you know, you a creative, <laughs> because it, it is difficult. There's definitely, it's definitely something to consider as far as having some sort of safety net, whether it's financial or career-wise. But that being said, it's as, as difficult as it may be to not have you know, a quote-unquote traditional job or career and also traditional type of income or whatever, it's a lot more difficult to potentially be in a certain place in your life to where you're like, you know what, I should have done this or I could have done this. I wish I tried doing this. You know what I mean? So I think as long as you're in a place to where you're able to make that jump, I, I do think it's important to at least try it because, you know, we, we only live once and years go by really fast. And, you know, I, you know, I've heard from certain people who are like, you know what, I, I wish I did this when I was your age or whatever, you know. So the idea of being that that type of person is, is kind of scary, you know, so as, as frightening as it is to, to, you know, try to kind of take this on yourself it it can also be really rewarding and i think it at the end of the day is something that overcomes all the regret that you would potentially feel if you didn't do it you know what i mean yeah like the the you were mentioning like that that safety net automatically dissipates as soon as you choose to dive into you know a artistic career and especially one that is being driven by you know you and you alone and you're not working for someone else well i wouldn't say it dissipates but it it does become like for instance when i after i released a little armenia and i was still working uh at my old job there was a point where i was kind of more on the side of like you know what i'm i think i'm gonna do music as a hobby and i'll just kind of do this because it's a steady income but moving forward, like when I first took took that jump, I did kind of have in the back of my mind, like, you know, what? I can always go back to this job if I had to. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that that did kind of, you know, provide a little you bit know, of comfort. It's a, it's a very interesting parallel because I had the same job, too. Yeah, know? I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like we both work, you know, and <laughs> like doing behavioral therapy with children with special needs. And right. uh, and I, I absolutely loved it, you know. But the, the thing that made me successful in that field was the art that I would introduce to kids. That was the common ground I would that would be the incentive for kids to complete their tasks and the goals, oh, whatever cool. we were driving on. 
the jump, like you're saying to take, because since then I've made this jump as well of like saying, okay, I'm going to fully focus uh, my art was always something that I, I didn't want to do because I didn't want to rely financially yeah, on the I art. I didn't want to come to a place where I was in a position to create something that I wouldn't want uh, to create right, right, for right, the financial yeah. gain of it. Again, like I haven't been, been in that situation where that was the case. So, seeing people go down the same path too, A, is very important to have uh, examples for those individuals that are like, whatever they're doing, whether they're working in a bank or a kitchen, in the back of their mind, they're processing every information and they're working in a way where art is in the back of their mind. It's an important thing to have people like you to make this jump. I think it's another important thing to also see the reality of it, that you have to be so fucking creative to make it work and it's not just like hey you're gonna produce music go have a show it's like you're you're involved in numerous amounts of projects and productions to kind of bring it all together to have that independence yeah and and to address what you were saying about not wanting the music to be the only source of income because of fear of having to maybe do something you don't like that definitely is something, and I, I'm sure every single creative person who, who does it full-time has experienced that. But I will say, as someone who has had to do, like, for instance, I've had pitches from different companies or whatever, like, we need something like this, and they'll send you a reference track, and you have to create something like that. And it's like, okay, yeah, that might not be what I want to make, but if any job you're working, you're going to want it, you're going to have to do shit that you don't want to do, so at least it's music. At you're the selling the your time no matter what. Yeah. Right, you know, so... I look at it like that. You and know, you can do it your own way, you know? Like, you can, yeah. definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. So, And also, I will say this. I've had I've had things like that to where it's like they, they want something that's a completely different genre from what I'm used to. And I'll do it, and it, it it's like it adds that to my repertoire. Like, now I know how to make this type of music because of that, even if, even if they don't like it or whatever. Yeah. You know, so there's always something to gain from it. Yeah, that's very true. I wanted to... I. My eye always goes directly to this. Talk a little bit about the album covers that you've used so far. Sure. Um, initially, you used uh, one of Vaha Berberian's paintings. Yeah. Took yeah. out the original word and put the title of your album on it, which was beautiful. Uh, Saturday Night at the Magic Lamp, you took uh, Mingus's album yeah, cover. Yeah, one uh, of my favorite albums, The Black, Black Saint, Saint and yeah. The Sinner Lady, which was so fucking cool. Yeah. LA Zoo went through this minimalistic neon like graphics you know that yeah, was very yeah. prominent at the time um and then more graphics uh, graphics again on uh, pomegranate juice right and now again to differentiate you know a custom-made life it's like this you know effect but the focal point is kind of on you yeah like it's it, it is again like w- besides the music the album cover is is, is different than what predated it as well. Right, right. Well, I think every cover has its own place as far as concept. Like, Magic Lamp was a picture of me, even though it was like a take on the Charles Mingus cover, because, well, there was a couple of reasons. To be to be perfectly honest, after Little Armina, a lot of people thought I was a group, so they'd be like, oh, yeah, I love you guys. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's just me. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should be on the cover of the yeah, next one, just so people that's know. That's so funny. <laughs> But also, it, it was also like, I wanted it to feel like it's a performance in some other worldly place, you know, like this is me backstage prepping for it. 
Um, L.A. Zoo was a very kind of like lighthearted kind of psychedelic thing. So I feel like an animated looking cover contributed sort of the same with Pomegranate Juice. It was like more kind yeah. of a fun sort of thing. Um, and this album was, um, I felt like with the vocal stuff, I, I did want to like, going back to what I was saying about the vulnerability of it, I felt like I, I should put myself on it. I should be more out there because that's what the vocal's doing. Um, and the concept was, of course, like the blank canvas behind me is like, you know, it's custom made, like you create, you, you know, you curate your own life essentially, you know, and, um, and there was a bit of like a psychedelic kind of twinge to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I like to, I'm very into album covers myself. So I always like to try to figure out the best way to complement the concept of the music visually. You know, I think it's a big part of it. Yeah. It's very, it's very cool. Like, I think it's should be paid attention <laughs> to. And do you come up with the concepts of the album covers? Or like, is that a collaborative, uh, like, endeavor? Um, I Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Like, for this album, I had the album title and the idea in mind, but the actual cover, the photographer, Ryan Postis, more or less kind of, um, I forget the term, but he, he basically kind of, or put it together or presented it and I was like yo that's that's a really dope way like a, a dope twist on what I had in mind not even a twist really it's more like a uh, a visual representation of it you know so it, it depends yeah but for the most like think I think for half of them when it was my idea um, yeah it really depends I'm, I'm open to you know collaborative things in any regard so um, whatever works best at the end of the day you know the biggest thing that like brings us together is like is traveling so i want to talk about a little about the the tours you did take like sure. which which country like sit out how long yeah, did you go yeah. for like were you was it in and out like playing a show or were you like able to you know hang out ex uh take it in um it's been very different to be honest sometimes i'm i'm in and out sometimes i'll be there for a day or two and then i'll go somewhere else um when the first time i played in dubai i was there for like a week and that was interesting uh, when I went to play in Armenia, it was just kind of like I was doing this workshop at Tumos. So I was there for two weeks, so I played a couple different places. Um, it's I don't know. Every, every place is, has been amazing in its own way. Um, I really loved Norway. That place was amazing. Um, I had a, I had a, a show in Poland. That place was really cool. This city called Bialystok. Um, Kuwait was the first place I played, and it was the first electronic music festival they had there, really? which was technically wow. kind of illegal because, well, like, dan like men and women dancing together is technically illegal. So there was like all these. It was a very like underground kind of thing, like it was it was well put together, but it was like kind of under the radar. Interesting. So that that was a really cool one. Um, let's see. Where'd you play in Norway? Um, Norway was a part of this festival. It was the uh, it was in Oslo. Oslo yeah. yeah, it was a part of the festival. I played a couple shows there. Um, that place is amazing. It's very expensive, but it's really a really beautiful place. The people were really cool. Um, I took a, a month long trip in Scandinavia. Okay. And uh, you know, Sweden was expensive. Finland yeah. comparative, like they didn't. But once you get into Norway. You're like this is this makes no like, I remember buying a hot dog and like a coke at a gas station and paying like twenty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I, what the fuck is happening? I went but to the small restaurant in like a shopping center kind of place yeah. with with someone who was there from the festival, 
and we got like two pumpkin soups, right? And I was like, I got it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was fifty dollars. God damn, fifty dollars for two I, soups. I don't, I, uh, yeah. You know. So yeah, it's but you know they they do say if you live there you make enough money to wage is like twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, it balances out. Yeah. You know? Everyone's a millionaire there, so you're good. Yeah. Comparatively, yeah, comparatively, yeah. comparatively. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's so it's one of the most it's one of the most beautiful countries. I've really, been to. really yeah. beautiful. Um, Dubai. I played in Dubai twice. It was weird. I, I, the people were always great and nice, but I don't know. It's the city is weird. Have you guys ever been there? Never been. No. It's, it's like it's like a weird Vegas, you know. That's how Qatar felt like too. Yeah. It's very weird. There's there's all this construction. There's all these like workers from other countries. Most of the population is workers from other countries, which is weird. A lot yeah. of tourists. Actual like the native Emirati people, I think, are. 10% of the population there. Um, and it's a fairly new place as far as music festivals and these kind of things, right? I think it's only maybe 10 years these things have been happening there. So the first time I played there was a festival. It was kind of weird. Like, it was weird in the sense of, like, it felt it felt like the crowd didn't really know how to react as much. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of got the feeling like, like this is all so new to them that yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was strange. Like, again, all the people were super nice, you know, the, the, both the people who arranged the festival and everyone I met there, but it was a little strange. And also the same, the second time I played there was, was also similarly, it was a little, I don't know, I, it's hard to describe, but it was a little foreign and not in the sense of a different place. It was just as far as the connection with music because I played a lot of different places and I, that, that, the feeling in Dubai was quite different. You mm. know what I mean? Have you ever been in Latin America? I haven't been to Latin America, no, and that's one of the places I would love to go. Japan is, is another place. Oh, Japan is amazing. I've, yeah. I've always wanted to go and perform there, haven't had that opportunity, and also New Zealand and Australia, I, I hear are amazing. I, I haven't had any shows there either, so yeah. that's, that's on the list, hopefully soon. I always remember your show at, what was it, like, Bordner's? The one you released. Oh yeah, that was for the Magic Lamp uh, yeah. album release. Yeah, that yeah. was like that was, uh, and I've seen I've seen you perform other places as well, but like that always like stood out. Just the uh, the ambiance, you know. Yeah, I always I always yeah, remember yeah. like you know. That was a fun. I one. felt like I was like in a literal like a genie's lamp, like chilling. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, we, yeah. We worked hard to kind of create that environment there. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. So I'm 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 hoping you know things things clear up and you know you get back on the road and hopefully uh, perform hopefully we'll see yeah mm -hmm. all right uh if you want to check out uh beirut it's on you know you can check out what's your website beirutmusic.com we'll put the link as well uh definitely check out uh his music you can download the digital album and all the other albums we mentioned too man thanks again man it was thank a pleasure you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for My sure pleasure. see you later Talk.